Alright guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Suits Podcast. It is Tuesday, September the 25th, 2018. And yes, it is officially time for the start of college basketball practice. Uh, so thought we would get things cranked back up here on the podcast and start talking about SEC basketball, which uh, I'm not the only one talking about right now. And it was kind of funny a couple years ago. Um, you know, we were kind of always discussing how there just wasn't a whole lot of talk about SEC basketball, and and that was one of the main things we were trying to do at Southeast Hoops was to bring more uh, coverage and talk about it more since SEC football is such a, a beast. But nowadays, that's uh, the landscape's kind of changed. There's a lot of people talking about SEC basketball, uh, not only in the local level, but also on the national level, and there's good reason for that. Uh, When you look at last year, getting eight teams into the NCAA tournament, of course, a conference record, um, that'll do a lot for you. And it's not just that this year. I think uh, we look at kind of what things are going to look like for the league this year, and it's just – it's sort of just a situation where, yeah, you get the eight teams in last year. I think you looked at it, though, and said, you know, you could probably see two or three of those teams making a pretty deep run last year. I don't know if you could have saw, um, you know, a lot of those, you know, maybe the majority of those teams having a chance to make a deep run, uh, even as competitive as the league was last year. But I think this year, you look at it, you've got a pretty good group of teams that you realistically can make a pretty decent case for uh, to be a second weekend NCAA tournament team or beyond, um, because I think that's how strong things are at the top this year and that's just going to make uh for so many uh exciting conference games and it's going to make for a year where hey you could lose six or seven conference games and you could still be a top 25 caliber team that's just the way it is uh knowing how strong things at least on paper look uh going into the season which everything can can certainly change uh, based on you know injuries and all that sort of stuff, and as we've seen, uh, Tennessee, South Carolina in recent years, those are the two teams that stand out most. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're picked in the preseason. I always say that, even when I do my preseason power rankings, which are rather long, I always say these are essentially meaningless because once the season starts, you don't ever know kind of how things are going to gel for certain teams, and you just don't know how everything's going to play itself out. Uh, so I figured that the best thing to do, practice getting started here, we're going to have a lot more stuff coming in terms of interviews. I already have a couple people lined up for interviews uh, this week, actually. So you're going to start getting more frequent episodes. Yes, I know it's still football season, but practice is officially here for college basketball. So we're going to get things going again uh, with regular episodes during the week and get you a lot of different coverage on SEC basketball. But the, the biggest question I've gotten a lot is just sort of how would you kind of break down just where everyone stands right now? And I always say I don't I, I rarely release any power rankings, rarely talk about order, anything like that until about a week before the season starts, a couple of weeks before, uh, because you're still digesting information with practice just now starting. You want to get a better feel uh, of how teams are progressing. You want to talk to coaches. You want to talk to people around the program. Uh, and see 
how people look in practice, how all the newcomers look, because the star system is great and all, but I think until you see a lot of these freshmen come in, you want to be able to see exactly how they're going to mesh with the other players on the team. And, you know, there's so much talent now. I think when you look around at sort of the state of the league, um, you have so many, you know, recruiting classes, 2018 classes in the SEC that are ranked very highly. Um, I think right now you've got maybe eight teams or something like that in the top 40. It's in 24-7 sports. Um, I think you've got six maybe in the top 25, somewhere in there. So recruiting, not a problem as we know, and that's just a, a byproduct of the coaching, which we brought up a couple years ago. It's funny to see the evolution uh, of that, but the coaching is as deep as it's ever been in this conference and it's just recruiting is such a, a difficult thing now because you have all these teams. You're not just seeing Kentucky get the top players. You're seeing teams make a really big move into getting those elite caliber players. And, you know, and just off the top of my head, I mean, you look at teams like Vanderbilt, who's made a huge stride uh, with the, the five-star players they're going to bring in this year, and Darius Garland and Simi Shitu. Look what LSU's doing with Will Wade. Um, you know, Alabama, Avery Johnson's picking up kids left and right in terms of how they're building. They got a great class for 2019, same with Auburn. Um, it's just so many different teams, Ben Hallen, Mississippi State, and, and the list goes on and on. That just shows you kind of the depth. Um, and I think that's where we start off with in terms of how do you kind of break down the teams this year? Uh, where do they stand just on paper? And maybe what are the different tiers? And I think I've said it several times now on Twitter, uh, throughout the offseason, I think you could make the case realistically that half the SEC right now can make an argument that they're a top 25 caliber team going into the season. Um, I, I really do. I think there's seven or eight different teams I would put in that category. If you look at everyone else's rankings, which all the magazines and stuff are coming out now, Athlon Sports, uh, I always push that because I, I appreciate the opportunity they give me every year to write. I did the Auburn preview again this year, so if you haven't picked up your copy of the Athlon Sports uh, preview magazine, go do that. Uh, Lindy's, um, you know, Blue Ribbon Yearbook's out now, the digital version at least. So there, there's so many different places. And, and the three teams you're seeing most uh, ranked the highest are, are not su- surprising in that Kentucky, Auburn, and Tennessee are the three teams that you're, you're pretty much seeing consistently ranked in the top 10 and I don't have a problem with that and I really think that you could probably you know put them in different orders Uh, I would put Kentucky at least at the moment just uh, I think they're at the top I think they're a team that every year we go into it and it's always a matter of seeing how all the new players develop how they all build chemistry it's the same year in and year out uh, I do think this has a chance to be one of John Calipari's better teams. And, you know, he has a good team every year pretty much. But I think this has a chance, if everything kind of comes together the way that we think it will, I think this can be a, one of his better teams there. And, and I think the addition of Reed Travis really makes that uh, kind of, uh, you know, it kind of puts more reason behind that thought because it just gives them a, a very strong presence and experienced presence you know, with the guys that got coming back to add to the, to the players that they're going to bring in with this freshman class, I just think Kentucky is is very, very good, and it wouldn't be surprising to anyone uh, if they wind up back at the top of the SEC. But you also look at Auburn, you also look at Tennessee and what they return. Look at all the scores that Tennessee's bringing back uh, from a team that caught a lot of people by surprise 
Um, and they're just going to continue to build that toughness. That was the one feature last year I think Tennessee had an edge over a lot of different teams, and that was just their mental toughness. They were just a team that really didn't back down from anything. They, they kind of stepped up to the challenge whenever they needed to, and that's why they had so much success. And with Auburn, you know, you think about all the different things they went through um, before the season even started in terms of, uh, you know, the FBI stuff and dealing with the, the after effects of not having Austin Wiley, Daniel Purifoy. Now you get those guys back. You add them to a nucleus that, you know, Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, what the, kind of the, the breakout seasons they had last year. Um, Auburn's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So they're going to be very entertaining. Uh, and I think you're going to see a team like Bruce Pearl said, and I think, you know, we've had him on the podcast before. We talked to him this summer. They're not going to slow down. They're going to keep playing at a high tempo, even with Austin Wiley. And you just, it's funny because you look at Austin Wiley now and you just see the way that he has completely transformed his body over the past couple of years and kind of his ability now, his agility, getting up and down the floor. They're going to still be able to play at a high tempo, plus have the luxury of getting the ball inside to a very dominant big man like that uh, who can who can definitely be a first-team All-SEC type of player and be one of the better big men in the country. There's no doubt about it. So those three teams, Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, you're seeing a lot in the top ten. Again, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Um, the teams you're, you're most seeing behind them right now, Mississippi State, LSU, those are the two that, that are kind of moving into that, that upper tier that we talked about. And we, we said that last year. We said they really had a chance when you looked at what they were going to be bringing in with the freshmen, combining it with the guys they were going to be bringing back. We thought that Mississippi State and LSU, this was a year where they're going to be able to really make a big jump. And I think we're going to see that. And you're seeing them in these polls probably anywhere from 10 to 20, I think, uh, in terms of Mississippi State and LSU. And then realistically, you look at what they bring back and what they're adding with those freshman uh, classes, and you can make the case that that's kind of where they belong. Uh, with LSU, I mean, Tremont Waters, just what he's able to do from a playmaking standpoint, all these kids he has around him now in that freshman class and, and how they're able uh, to kind of develop into their roles. And I think LSU and Will Wade's done a tremendous job there getting these guys uh, to Baton Rouge and now having a chance to really build something special. Uh, it would not surprise me if LSU is right there having a chance to compete um, you know, for a really, really deep run in March and being right among the elite in the SEC, I don't think that would be a shocker to anyone. Mississippi State, this is that breakout year. You saw what they did last year, made the deep run in the NIT. Now you get all these different players back. You bring in that freshman group. Uh, this is that year, and it seems like we've said that sometimes in the past with Mississippi State. This has to be that year where they take a big step forward uh, and again, all we have to go on right now is what we see on paper. But on paper, they should be able to really make a big jump uh, into that, that national scene and really be a relevant team. Um, you know, a surefire NCAA tournament team with all that talent. And they have the depth, the size, the athleticism. So many things to light about Mississippi State. The one thing I always bring up, you want to be able to see them shoot the three consistently. If they can do that, I think Mississippi State's a team. Uh, that can be just in, you know, just like that LSU that can get up there, uh, really disrupt things, and maybe that that perceived top three of Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn, uh, and really have a chance to, to make a push for, for an SEC regular season title. You've just got so many different pieces on, on both of those teams. Uh, Florida, you know, I think the Gators may be kind of being overlooked a little bit 
uh, in terms of what they have. I mean, getting Jalen Hudson back is huge. Uh, these guards, their backcourt is going to be so entertaining to watch uh, with the freshmen coming in. Uh, and then you just want to see that development in the front court. If those big guys can make strides, be more of an offensive threat, um, I think Florida can, can be right there in that same group. And that's what we're talking about, just all these teams that have the pieces and they have the higher caliber players uh, that can change a game at a moment's notice. You're just seeing all so many of those different players around the league now to where that's what makes it tough to kind of gauge, okay, here's who's going to finish where because you've just got so many playmakers on the roster where it's not maybe like it was you know, many years ago where maybe you've got two guys on a team that you feel like you can go to take over a game. You're seeing four or five, six guys sometimes on some of these rosters that – and that's where it builds the depth, where you have these guys that can change a game so quickly. And I think with Florida, you know, they're going to be uh, – in my mind, they're a top 25 team in the preseason. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't looked at all the different polls. Um, I think I've seen them in some. I seen, haven't seen them in others. Uh, but I think Florida, you know, Mike White's done a tremendous job. And I keep going back to that situation he came into. Following Billy Donovan was going to be a – very, very difficult process. Uh, we knew whoever got that job was going to have a very tough uh, task in terms of being able to replicate that. And certainly, Mike White hasn't won back-to-back national championships or anything yet, but I think he's done a really good job uh, of getting that talent there, keeping that flowing into Gainesville, um, and now having the opportunity to have another big year. And I'm really excited to see uh, Jalen Hudson's kind of uh, you know progress and how he gets ready for the next level. Losing Chris Chioza, a pretty big deal, as we know, because he's one of those guys, he's been one of my players, you know, one of my favorite players in the conference over the years, and I think you just look at all the different aspects he did for that team. That's the one thing you're going to look at uh, with Florida, I think, is losing someone like that, that leadership, his ability, um, you know, to see the floor, do things on defense. I think seeing how they, you know, kind of prepare without that is going to be something to watch for, but I really like that freshman group. Those guards are going to have a pretty fun time this year, I think, going up against all these other great guards in the SEC. Behind that, Vanderbilt, Alabama. Um, You know, I think those two teams are, again, when I said you can make the case, when you look at the rosters for teams that could realistically say we're top 25 caliber teams, um, I think there's a lot of intrigue. Throw Missouri in there too. I mean, I think with what they have coming back – With Alabama, I mean, getting, you know, Lewis, adding him to the roster was huge. Having him reclassify, getting him in the mix was huge. Knowing, um, you know, losing college Sexton, Jared Butler transfers, uh, that was huge. Just just getting him and now feeling like you have a point guard who maybe is not the exact same type of player as Sexton, but you have a point guard that is a playmaker um, that can score, that can pass, that can do things off the dribble. That's what you want, and now you want to see him come in uh, and, and improve, and he will. Go, the guys he's going to go up against, you're going to see him continue to improve as a player. Uh, when you think about all the guys he's going to be tested by in the SEC, I mean, you know, the, the Waters, the Jared Harpers, um, all these different players. And so I think you bring him in, you add him to the guys they have coming back. With Alabama, the situation I think is going to be the same offensively they just have to be able to find a rhythm offensively um, and and be able to not have those spells where they're really struggling on offense 
Um, because defensively, you know, Herbert Jones and all the other guys, Dante Hall, of course, what he can do inside. Uh, defensively, I think Alabama's going to be fine. I think they're they're just a, a really hard team to prepare for uh, because they do have these guys that, that know how to play defense. And Avery Johnson, you know, does a tremendous job of preparing them on that side of the floor. And, and I think with them, you just want to see that offense flow. John Petty's going to have to be more of not just a shooter type of score. He's going to have to score in, in several different uh, dimensions. And I think that's going to really help them if he can do that. Uh, with Vanderbilt, Darius Garland, Shitsu, I mentioned those two guys earlier, the two five-star kids. But I think Aaron Naismith is someone – um, that that's really gonna have to you're gonna have to survey him too as a freshman and all those guys combined with what they have coming back and I think the biggest thing is the depth with the Commodores and the youth they're gonna be they're gonna rely on a lot of young players Saban Lee Max Evans those guys are back um, but you're relying on a lot of underclassmen and I think that's something we always look at especially in a deep league like this. Uh, you want to be able to feel pretty good, you know, but you are relying on guys that are younger and maybe don't have that experience that some of these other teams have. So I think seeing how that unfolds, plus just trying to build that depth, uh, Matt Ryan I think could, could be a really big asset for them from the perimeter, being able to shoot the way he can. So I think you want to see Vanderbilt kind of build that depth, and if they do that, they're a team that, that can make the case. And the, and the Garland you know, a lot of people making comparisons with Darius Garland to a lot of really, really good players that have come through college basketball in recent years. Um, so if he can make that impact at point guard, it's a guard league. I mean, you talk about – we've mentioned all the point guards here in the past 15 minutes. I mean, you think of all the good point guards that are in the league right now. If Garland can be that impact player, he just adds, you know, that layer that Vanderbilt needs to run their offense – uh, and be able to continue to, to kind of put in Bryce True's system and do things the way that he wants to do. Uh, so I think that's huge for them. Uh, Missouri, like we said, I mean, look at Jonte Porter's back, and that was huge. Uh, you know, one of the many SEC players that kind of returned that maybe we didn't think would come back. Uh, but now that he's back, that gives them something they can rely on. Just like with other teams, I think, you know, replacing a guy like Cassius Robertson is the biggest question mark in terms of what are they going to do there. You have another guard that did so many different things well for them. Um, You have to be able to replace him. But I think, you know, Conzo Martin has done a good job recruiting-wise, and I think he's got the type of players he wants to fit his system. Um, So Missouri, you know, another team you can throw in there when you, you start the season off and say, Who are the teams in the SEC that have a chance to make the NCAA tournament? You know, you throw those teams in there as well. Beyond that, I think Arkansas, we just talked about Vanderbilt relying on so many young players. They've got Daniel Gafford coming back. He's the potential top five pick in the NBA draft next year. Having someone like that is a huge asset, of course. But you also have so many young players. Again, it goes back to the underclassmen. You've got a lot of freshmen on that roster. And I think Arkansas's biggest thing is – to be in that upper tier in the SEC, you're going to have to find a way to win games on the road. Um, Arkansas is always tough at home, as we know, uh, but they're going to have to find a way to win games on the road. Are they going to have the experience to do that? Are they going to have that that mental toughness early with so many new players that they need? That's a question mark for them. Um, so we'll see what happens with, with teams like that. You know, there are other teams. I mean, look at a team like Georgia, um, you know, Tom Crean's first year, I think when you, you just go ahead and lump in Georgia and Ole Miss, you've got two coaches that are coming into the league, Tom Crean, Kermit Davis. Um, the rosters, you know, you have a lot of unknowns, and I think that's kind of 
when you go into the year, you don't really know what to expect. Um, even when, just when you have a new coach, period. I mean, you don't know system-wise how things are going to look early, um, what's the learning curve going to be for, for certain players going into a new system. And so I think that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Terrence Davis for Ole Miss will be another great guard. Add him to the list of great guards in the league. Uh, Georgia, I've talked about them this offseason. I really, really like that sophomore group they have. They also have some talented freshmen coming in. I think with the older players, you just haven't seen them put being put in those roles, really, because of Yante Mate and J.J. Frazier. You haven't seen those guys being put in those, okay, you have to be a go-to player type of roles. And so I think this year, you know, Turtle Jackson, guys like that are going to have to embrace those roles because, you know, for the first time in several years, there's no Mayton, there's no Frazier, and so they're going to have to find uh, sort of that offensive flow, that rhythm that we've talked about with other teams uh, in not having that 20-point-per-game uh, complete dominant takeover type of player on the floor. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch, but I really do think if you're looking at Georgia, keep an eye on that sophomore group because I really like what Tom Creed's going to be working with there. We saw some of those guys uh, break out last year. Claxton, Hightower, Rayshon Hammonds. I really like that group, and I want to see how they develop uh, as they prepare you know, for their sophomore season. So I think uh, that could be fun to, to watch there. South Carolina, look, South Carolina, we do it every year. Um, we look at the roster and say, well, you know, we don't really know if they packed that punch. Uh, but you know how they're going to play. They're going to be one of the tougher teams in the league. Uh, they're going to be physical. They're going to be really hard to kind of prepare for. It's just a matter of seeing if they have that offensive point, that offensive punch, uh, to be able to compete with all of these other teams that kind of have those, um, you know, standout offenses and teams that return a lot of players from from higher scoring uh, type of teams last year. So I think that's the thing with South Carolina. Chris Silva's back. That's huge for them um, because you know he's been someone that, that's really been. Uh, very, you know, fun to watch over the past several years in terms of his development from that team that made the Final Four, where he's come since then. Uh, so I think that that's kind of what you see with South Carolina. And then there's Texas A&M. I mean, Texas A&M's a team that has uh, a lot of unknowns. And knowing what they lost last year, uh, Tyler Davis is gone. Uh, Robert Williams is gone. So those are it's going to change the way Texas A&M plays and we talked to Billy Kennedy this summer they're going to move more towards what you're seeing a lot of teams in the league do is move more towards that up tempo style um so I think now that they're going to play faster that's going to be intriguing to watch because we've kind of seen them slow things down just because of having those big guys where they pounded inside get it to Davis or Williams it's going to look different this year and it's going to be led by that guard group uh you know TJ Starks Admon Gilder the guards are going to drive this Texas A&M team. And I think, like with other teams we've talked about, depth is the biggest thing you want to see with the Aggies. They do have the good young talent, uh, and they do have a, a guy like Gilder who's who's been through all these different things and has led them uh, in, in a lot of areas. And one of the more, under, you know, more probably undervalued players in, in the country when you look at his production and those types of things. But now you have to kind of move forward and build that depth that you need to to be able to stay in the in the upper tier in the SEC. I think that's how you look at them and say, how are some of these newcomers going to factor into the mix for them? Um, how are these younger players going to develop uh, as they, they go into this year? And so that, those are some questions you have, I think, with the Aggies. But 
you know, you look at this entire thing, and I just went through and, and kind of just scratched the surface on all the different teams in the SEC. You try to break it into those tiers. It's not necessarily easy to do. But, you know, I mentioned the teams. You can probably look around, and you're going to see in top 25s uh, as more and more of those come out as we get closer to the start of the actual games. Um, but you can make a case for a lot of these different teams, and it's just a matter of looking at where are the holes in some of these teams uh, you can pick apart some of them more than others, as we know, when you talk about that upper group, and then maybe you look at the teams that, that maybe have some questions they have to answer uh, before they go into the actual start of the season. And that just makes for what's going to be another fun year. It's going to be another competitive year. And even if we look around and say, well, we have question marks uh, about some of these teams, let's say a Texas A&M, a Georgia, Ole Miss, teams like that, um, hey, we had question marks about Tennessee last year, and, and Tennessee uh, did what they did. So I think it's it's never safe to do that. Um, we can talk about it, but remember, until the actual games start, it's very hard to predict how things are going to play out in a conference like this that, that could very well be the deepest conference in the country from top to bottom. Uh, it's no longer just throwing that out there as kind of a, as you know maybe some people used to do uh, just to say it or even be sarcastic about it. It's actually true now in that the SEC could very well be the deepest conference in the country uh, when you look at the overall talent and the depth that is all throughout the league. So, all right, that's just a quick rundown. Uh, like I mentioned, more frequent podcasts coming. We'll get more in-depth. We'll talk about specific players, teams, all that type of stuff. Already have some good guests lined up, so I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Have some guys coming on I've had on before. Also have some new ones as well. Uh, So I think you're really going to enjoy it as we start to kick things into basketball mode uh, here at Southeast Hoops with the season now getting very close. I mean, we're not that far away from November. Like I mentioned earlier, practice has officially started. Uh, So that's going to make for a very, very fun time here on the Southeast Hoops podcast. So uh, as always, be sure you subscribe, go over to iTunes, search for Southeast Hoops. That way you don't miss any of the episodes we do have coming up. Um, and we'll, I'll continue to have more written stuff going up over on the site. I'll have some new writers coming back as well. Some of the guys you remember from last year I had contributing uh, new ones also, and there will be another uh, fun thing that I did last year as well that will be coming back, um, and I'll announce that here very soon uh, so you guys know when and where to catch that. Uh, we'll be talking a lot of SEC basketball on that particular uh, aspect uh, so I think you'll you'll enjoy it once again. So be sure you subscribe to everything so you don't miss anything that I have coming up. If you want to ask any questions, you guys know where to find me on Twitter at the Blake Level. Uh, anything you want, basketball related, uh, SEC related, of course. I also host the Marching to Madness podcast. Uh, that is the national podcast we do. We've interviewed over 60 coaches this off season. Uh, had some SEC coaches on there, of course, and we've had them on this podcast. I always replay those interviews so you guys don't miss any of that. Um, so plenty of stuff coming up basketball wise in the Southeastern conference. So be sure to subscribe. So you don't miss anything, uh, that we do have coming up on Southeast. So, uh, thanks as always for listening and I will talk to you guys next time.